Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're listening to Radical Philosophy on Radio 3CR 855 on your AM dial. And I'm Catherine Jenkins, Assistant Professor of Philosophy at the University of Nottingham. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Midgley, Caputi, Adams, Stewart, Wolf, and Hagen Gruber. Let's get radical about philosophy. I'm so glad you tuned in to Radical Philosophy today. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. Today on the program, I'm going to be speaking with Professor Barbara Taylor about kindness. Welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm originally from Canada, hence my accent, although I've lived in the UK all my adult life. I'm, I'm an intellectual historian focusing mostly on the, on the 18th century. I'm currently Professor of Humanities at a university here in London. Uh, I did my studies in a um, variety of fields. I've, I've written on feminist history, and, and I have a, 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 um, an interest in Enlightenment studies and histories of subjectivity. So what was it that inspired you to study and write about kindness? I wrote the, the book that, that, that I wrote, which is called On Kindness, and which was published in 2009, was co-written with a friend who is a, a psychoanalyst and a writer, Adam Phillips. And I had been listening to a um, radio program where someone who'd been a banker was talking about how he'd given it up to work with disabled children. And he was saying how astonishing it is that kind of, you know, experiencing the pleasures of caring for others with so much m- more happiness making than making money. And, and I just thought, why is this considered news? I mean, why is it a surprise to us that caring about other people, experiencing oneself as kindly, might feel much more satisfying than being out there making loads of money. And I, it just, I think there'd been a, a, I've been reading or hearing a bunch of stories like this, you know, kind of, where people were expressing astonishment that, that kindness was such a satisfying, that, you know, that, that giving, the giving and taking of kindness was so satisfying. And I just thought, how has this come to be a surprise? So I said to my friend Adam, I said, what do you think about, writing a little book about this. And he said, yes, yes, let's, let's do it. So, <laughs> so that's how it uh, came about. So, I mean, I'm, I write the book as a historian with a very strong interest in psychoanalytic ideas. Adam writes as a psychoanalyst, so we, who, has, who has a very strong interest in history. So we combine those to make this, this, little, this little book. So what would your definition of kindness be? I would describe kindness as an imaginative identification 
with other people, something uh, where you are able to imaginatively place yourself, uh, as the saying goes, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And in, 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 in a, I mean, that's a complicated thing. That's a simple definition of a complicated process. But, but I think that that's probably the kind of basis of it. And I, I stress the imaginative aspect of it because I think that, I mean, obviously it, it involves you know, many different sorts of things. Kindness is one of those terms that encompasses, I think, quite a wide range of emotional responses to people. But I think one needs to be able to have a capacity to sort of imagine oneself in a, in a kind of in a kind of sharing, if you like. I mean, one of the terms for this historically has been fellow feeling, feeling with and for other people, and I think that's still a pretty good working definition. Mm, yes, it is. Could you tell us about the history of kindness? Well, it's a it's a long, long story, <laughs> and I tell it in a short version in the book, but. I mean, people have been thinking about kindness, about what sort of experience it is, about how important it is to human beings since antiquity. In the book, we have a a historical chapter which traces it right back to to, to, to the ancient Greeks and and Romans and through the history of Judaism and Christianity. This is in the West. We don't attempt to talk about you know, history of, of Eastern ideas about, about kindness, right up to, to the present. And so it's, uh, I think one of the things I can say about it is that it's been an essential feature of a long, long-standing controversy, if you like, about what it is to be human, about the degree to which human beings are self-regarding creatures, you know, who attach primary importance to their own feelings, interests, well-being, and to what extent we are other-regarding creatures who are able, as I say, to to emotionally reach out, uh, identify, share in, care about the feelings and experiences of other people. And that, that, that dispute about the nature of human beings Goes, goes right back to very earliest written reflections on such questions, but it reaches a, a kind of new level, if you like, from what we consider the sort of beginnings of modern times. I mean, to, I suppose one would think of that particularly in Western Europe and would think of it as from the 17th century when the idea that human beings were basically selfish, egotistical creatures, took on a lot of energy. And some of the major thinkers, Thomas Hobbes, one of the most famous, argued that position. And then other, other philosophers, theorists, novelists indeed, sort of waded in, arguing against that. And Christian thinkers obviously played a very important part in those debates. So... I mean, I think one of the things that Adam and I felt was that the Hobbesian, I, I use it as a shorthand for Thomas Hobbes' idea of people as fundamentally egoistical, had really 
kind of <laughs> uh, become the sort of stock position of modern times. I think that people, we felt that when you ask people whether or not human beings were, were, were selfish or altruistic, might be another word for kind, they'd say, I think a lot of people would say, oh, well, people are basically selfish. We basically care mostly about ourselves. And if you pointed out that people are, behave in kind ways, sometimes the reply you'd get, I actually tested this out on my students, is, well, yeah, but that's just another way of trying to make yourself feel good about yourself, isn't it? If you're nice to people, you then have this kind of glow of self-congratulation. It's just a more sophisticated form of selfishness. And, and there's a lot about our society today that might encourage that perception of things. So, but we were very, very unpersuaded that this was really, that this was really true of human beings. And if you press people harder and talked about it more, you got a more questioning attitude, in particular because everybody likes the idea of being kind. Everybody likes experiencing kindness. I mean, I say everybody. I mean, you know, uh, people who for a whole variety of reasons may be damaged in ways that makes that very difficult for them, but in general. And so we really wanted, I mean, the book has a bit of a sort of polemical, political edge to it. We wanted to talk about what it is that makes it hard for people to believe in their own kindness in modern society and to trace some of the roots of that historically. You're listening to Radical Philosophy on Radio 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. And I'm speaking with Professor Barbara Taylor about her publication on kindness. Why do you think it is that pleasures of kindness surprise us? Well, I think, I mean, just reverting to what I just said about modern times, I think we are in Western society now. You know, we are raised up to within the values of individualism, of that you know each of us is responsible in some sense for our own destiny, and that the pursuit of success, personal success, is is a fundamental kind of drive for people. That people. That egoism, a focus on self, is is not only natural but required of people. Now there are exceptions to this. I mean, we don't want to think of parents as being fundamentally egoistical. We want to think that they, you know, that they care for and love their children. But there's a there's a, an odd way in which that bit of human life has been kind of siphoned off as something different, special. And so I think, you know, the, the, and in fact, I mean, the tension between that view of parental kindness and, and the sense that, that, you know, overall we are egoistical creatures, that, that tension is quite strongly felt, I think. And what really surprises us then is that actually we, we think that, that making plenty of money, having a comfortable home, etc., etc., being successful in worldly terms is what makes us happy. And it's hard, I think, often to stop 
and actually just reflect the sources of pleasure on the, the, the pleasure of feeling yourself in emotional contact with other people in ways that enlarge you, that you, know, you, feel, you feel yourself reaching out to another. You feel them responding to that. You feel that you're making a difference to someone. You experience someone making a difference to you. Those sympathetic connections between people, we may pay lip service to them, but just how pleasurable they are, I think, surprises us because it doesn't, it doesn't work well with the individualist ethos of our society. And we think of some individuals, maybe, you know, we think of people who, we think of them as almost saint-like, who we think of as, as, as fundamentally kind people. We don't think of them as entirely normal. I mean, I, I suppose you could think of, of someone, I don't modern heroes like Nelson Mandela or even, you know, after she died over here, Princess Diana you know, was characterized as an extremely kind person. You know, we, we, we think of this as somehow really out of the ordinary instead of looking into our own lives and often and what, what really matters to us most. Do you think kindness has become a forbidden pleasure? I think yes and no. I mean, there is a problem with kindness, and it's one of the biggest problems that faces people, which is that it involves experiencing ourselves as vulnerable creatures. When we open ourselves up to others, when we do that, and, and that's part of being kind, open-heartedness, <laughs> I don't know, a phrase for kindness, what we're feeling is what we really share with other people, and that is our vulnerability, our need for other people and their need for us. And we're living in a society which does not encourage a sense of vulnerability, a knowledge of our natural dependence on other people. So some of that has kind of gone underground, and, and I think... That is a sense in which allowing oneself to really experience one's own vulnerability to others is, is, it can feel almost taboo. I'm, perhaps I say this, I say this cautiously because I'm not sure. Perhaps more for men than for women. I mean, for a long time, in the, from the Victorian period onwards, women in particular were regarded as the kindly sex. It was part of our subordinate status. <laughs> Kindness was what was kind of left to us when the men got on with success and so on. So there is a way in which that identification of kindness with femininity, I think, can make it maybe for men more forbidden, possibly, than for women. But, I mean, I think that this is a problem which is even afflicting children sometimes now, that, that you know, that an open susceptibility to other people, which actually is one of the most enriching and rewarding aspects of life, is something that it can feel almost, as I say, taboo. Could you say that 
we are depriving ourselves of the pleasure that is fundamental to our own sense of well-being when we give up on kindness? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's in a sense, a good summary of what I've just been indicating. I think we do. And, and it's... I mean, there are a lot of pressures on us to give up on it. I mean, we look around at the world, and it sure doesn't look like a kindly place these days. Open expressions of hatred, envy are everywhere. Um, the Internet has become a sort of scene for these sorts of, of um, expressions of, of aggression and hostility. And, and the cruelties that we see around us everywhere in the world right now, whether, you know, in violent conflict or, or in other, other less world-transformative forms of, of, of conflict. I mean, it's a very, it's a, it's a hard time to be living through. And, and many people have acquired a great deal of power who certainly seem to be motivated by anything um, but kindness. So it's, it, kindness is under great pressure. And I think it's... Uh, so it, it's part of our... I mean, if, if I may say so, I think it's, 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 it's a struggle. And maybe we need to think of it almost in terms of a political struggle to say that, that kindness needs to be... is a fundamental value that needs to be promoted and fought for by people today. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. What do you think it is about our times that makes kindness seem such a dangerous concept? Well, as I say, I think it is very much. I mean, you know, the, the social and cultural ethos within which we live right now, which is it's a... You know, it, it is a real dog-eat-dog -dog world out there right now. I mean, I don't know about in Australia, but, I mean, children are taught to be competitive right from the moment the little tiny ones are off to nursing school, you know, they're being tested. Are you better than so-and-so? Are you doing better than so-and-so? Are you smarter than this other person? And that kind of competitive individualism which is everywhere promoted, and along with it, a kind of emphasis on independence and self-reliance and stand up for yourself. And the fact that, that being dependent on other people is absolutely fundamental aspect of what it is to be human. We are dependent creatures. There's no form of human self-reliance, which is not founded in some sense on dependence on others. We all need other people. And it's, it, in many ways, it's, you know, it's one of the richest aspects of what it is to be human. And everywhere we see dependence derogated, whether it's the, the, in, in, in public services where people are being told you mustn't look to, to public services, to the so-called nanny state, which is a wonderfully revealing phrase that we have over here for the welfare state, as if somehow a state that might you know, be considered to be looking after people 
all is a bad thing on public services that should that we all need to somehow look out for ourselves, put number one first, and and that that care, that caring for others, that the, that the values of care and compassion somehow you know just run against what's what's necessary to be a successful human being right now. I mean, I think that that when people espouse those values. They're, you know, they're, they're do-gooders and so on. And I, nonetheless, people do, I think, still want care. I think they want to look after each other. And, I, and, and the curtailment of community resources and public services across the Western world, the determination of elites and governments to do that, to cut back, to allow wealth, um, individual wealth to flourish at the expense of social well-being, I think is a real indication of just how subversive the ethos of kindness can be felt to be. And I think that that's, that's what I mean when I say I think there may, you know, it may be that we're really talking about a politics here of, 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 of struggle about you know, what it is that's the best, the best kind of human life and how we attain it. Do you think that humans have a kindness instinct? I think that, I mean, instinct is a tricky word. We do use it in our book, um, but we use it not in the usual sense of something that is kind of, you know, hardwired into us. What we feel is that human beings have a natural drive toward kindness, which is there right from the very beginning of life. That and and we tell a rather we tell a, a complex psychological story about how that drive to care for others uh, emerges in small children, the difficulties it encounters, and how in a in in the right kind of conditions that that what happens is that the other aspects of what it is to be human. I mean, we're, we're, we don't pretend that human beings are only kind. I mean, that's nonsensical. Human beings are also aggressive. We have strong hating impulses, destructive impulses, and any version of kindness which pretends that none of that is true is just sentimentality. It's never going to hold up. What we need to be able to do is to live our lives fully, in the whole range of feelings that we have. And a child who is able to experience itself as, you know, as having hating, aggressive, destructive aspects of itself, along with loving, caring, compassionate ones, that child will become an adult who can fully live his or her kindness. You know, won't, won't be frightened of those other aspects of the self, know how to handle them, know how to deal with them, and, in, and, and be able to recognize that, you know, the, 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 the real pleasures of kindness, not fake ones, not the kind of, you know, you give away, a, a, you know, a little bit of money to a charity or something and you preen yourself on feeling kind. I mean, better to give money to charity than not to do anything. But, but it, it, how, what a, it's a richly complex, 
sort of range of emotions that kindness involves, and it has to encompass, has to be able to, to handle the deep ambivalences of, 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 human, of human existence. And that's, that's the story that we tell, and that's why we mean in doing that on psychoanalytic um, perceptions of, of, of human development to, to tell that story. What effect do you think that technology has had on kindness? That's a really good question. And in a way, I think we're only just starting to find out. I mean, the digital revolution in particular is having such a... I mean, it's evolving so rapidly. I mean, revolution is the word because it just, you know, it it, it evolves and evolves and the, the movement is so rapid, the changes are so rapid... That, I mean, you know, one thing I could say is that I think it can have a very distancing effect between people by substituting online interactions for, you know, more intimate ones. And yet it can also draw people together. So I, I think I, I don't have a single answer to that. I think, I think it's something we need to think about. I think it's something that we need to watch out for in as much as we're able to have any control over this process at all and certainly, personally, need to be mindful of it. I mean, there's no question, of course, about the deep, deep unkindness that has been fostered by anonymous forms of of, of social media interaction, so-called trolling and so on, which have been breathtaking in their cruelty. And, And I think, you know, people are appalled by what they witness from this. But, of course, that's not the only thing that goes on and I wouldn't want to ever to be, you know, thought to say, well, you know, there we have, you know, revealed just how horrible people are, because I, I think, I mean, maybe a stark demonstration of how horrible people can be, but that's not the only thing going on. So I think that, I think we, we, we are in the middle of, of a, of a, of a major transformation here, and it's very, very difficult to be able to say much, um, about, you know, the, the long-term consequences of this, or indeed even the short-term ones. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, thanks very much for coming onto the program today. Well, thank you for having me. And I've been speaking with Professor Barbara Taylor about kindness. Well, that's all we have time for today. Hope you've enjoyed the program. I've certainly enjoyed your company. And do stay tuned for... Swing and sway.